How many of you parents out there and grandparents say, you know what? More than anything else, I want my kids and my grandkids to know the Lord. You want them to live in the peace, in, the, in their marriage, that everything in their life would be centered around the word. You set that tone. You set that tone. Everybody put your hand on your heart. Say, that's me. We said this, when you worship, when you say every Sabbath, not just every morning, I'm going to take time alone with the, with the Lord, but every Sabbath, you break the lie that you are self-made man. When you worship, you're reminding your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions that it is God who has created you and saved you and given you everything you need for life and peace. That's the perfect spot for an amen. So if you're discouraged or you're frustrated in life, I'm not saying this is the reason because sometimes there's just people, you know, there's just, we live in a broken world. But it could be because you're stepped out of the rhythms that God has established. So today we're going to look at the rhythms of the Old Testament tabernacle. The Old Testament tabernacle. There's some young ministers I was ministering to and teaching this to last year and I'm excited to. We enjoy going through each of these and we're going to kind of summarize them today. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 6. But you can also turn to Exodus 28 if you've got, you know, a bookmark, a pen. And I want to talk about this. When the tabernacle was established, it was God's way of saying, this is a rhythm of worship, a pattern in which I want you to follow. In fact, he even said, be very careful to follow the patterns in the instructions that I've given you. How many of you have ever read the Old Testament and you've seen God say that to Moses? Be very careful to do the patterns I have given you. All right, so spoiler alert, we're going to come back to this at the end of the sermon. But that's because all of those patterns speak to the beauty of Jesus. How many are so thankful for Jesus? All right? Put first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, and all these things will be given to you. Don't worry about all these other things, but first focus your mind on the tabernacle, on worship, on what it means to honor God with your life. We talked about Jesus in, in Luke 5, verse 16. He often went alone to pray. Every gospel talks about Jesus going alone to the Father. So we pray. We do spend alone time worshiping every day. And then we spend together time together worshiping every week. Today we want to talk about the peace, the shalom that can only come through these rhythms. I looked up that word shalom, and, and it means so much more than peace. It means forever separated from punishment, given complete mercy. How many of you are so thankful you've been given complete mercy that you won't be separated from a perfect loving God forever? And if you're a guest with us today, that's what the gospel is, that God loved you so much he sent his son Jesus to die in your place and to rise again to new life so you cannot be separated from God forever but instead reunited with him. I right, look at Hebrews. I'm going to take you a few places. I know, put your bookmark on Exodus 28. But we're going to look at Hebrews right now that talks about the tabernacle, talks about the rest that God gives. Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, while the promise of entering his rest. Oh, man, that's so good. I just want to make sure we go slow enough that you don't miss this. You know how many Americans, including American Christians, live stressed out? Come on, if that's you, just give me a little nod. Just give me a little Baptist nod. 
okay? How many, you just go full Pentecostal right now and say, dude, I get stressed. Come on, raise it. I see that. Boy, that was like half of you, man. All right, buckle up. It's going to be a long day. No, I'm kidding. All right. The promise of entering his rest still stands. That's good news. Lest us fear, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. For good news came to us just as to them. But the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united in faith with those who listened. For we who have believed enter that rest. How many of you have believed the gospel? You believed what Jesus has done for you. And how many of you, keep your hand up if you found rest for your soul. I had someone say to me before service, I've never had spiritual dad. I didn't have a dad at all growing up. Now I have two dads in this church. That's the best thing a pastor could have ever heard. You can enter the family of God, the rest that God intends for you, but only one way. All right, skip to verse 10. God's rest, he has also rested from his work as God did. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Boy, that's interesting. So obedience is linked to your rest. Obeying what God has says leads to peace in your mind. For the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is why I said last week that the most important attribute of God, apart from being father, is being creator. Realizing you will stand before him. Realizing that you need someone to come in between, and that's Jesus. You need someone to make a way for you to stand before God. Verse 14, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Come on, everybody say it nice and loud. Say Jesus. Jesus. The Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize in our weakness. But in every respect was tempted as we are, yet without sin. I said during the conference on Monday night that Jesus, think about this, Jesus suffered in every way that you have suffered. You've lost a good friend. Jesus lost John the Baptist. You've struggled with anxiety and sleepless nights. Jesus was trying to pray and, and prepare for what's coming and his friends are falling asleep and they're leaving him. So if I ask you right now, have you felt betrayal? Have you felt hurt? Have you felt abandoned? Jesus has also felt that. Isaiah calls him the suffering servant. He didn't just show up on a stallion and take over. Instead, he comes, like we're going to talk about Easter, riding on a donkey, humble, grieving with you, empathizing with you. Now, what does that do for us? Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. Wow. We could just stop the sermon right there. Let us come near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. Man, I feel like you guys need to read this with me. Let's all read verse 16 together. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
Do you know God's grace is not just there for you on the day of your salvation? It's there every morning. King David said it like this, his mercy, it's new every morning. Because every morning you're going to face, right? Every morning, how many of you guys have ever faced an unwanted challenge at work? All right, now do not nudge your spouse when I ask this next question. How many of you ever faced an unwanted challenge at your house? Don't nudge your wife. Don't nudge your wife. Just give me a little nod. How many of you have teenagers? Can I get a witness in here? We may receive mercy in times of need. He said amen. Let me say it like this. How many have ever experienced hurt in a church and realized you need mercy? And because you were given mercy, you're learning to give mercy. Right? Wow. In the tabernacle, everything means something. In the tabernacle, everything means something. At home this week, uh, I want you to read Exodus 25 through uh, 40. I know it's a lot, but just jot that down. If you want to take a few days to look at the tabernacle, we obviously don't have time on a Sunday morning to do that, but we're going to give you the aerial view here. All right? So there's the courtyard, the courtyard. We're going to put up a few elements, and I want you to understand I want you to understand that this, this is a picture of worship. And it's important for your theology and your doctrine, what, what you believe, to know why do we come in on a Sunday. Is it just because Pastor Jordan says, join us on Sunday? Is it because your mama told you to, and frankly, you're like, Medea's my mom. I'm afraid of her. You know, like, you know. I don't know where that came from. That should have been left out. That should have gone through the filter. Apologize. I blame the Sudafed. There's five things, though, that we see in the tabernacle. And please don't miss this. It all speaks to Jesus. Because if you're not careful, you'll be watching, you'll be, you'll be listening, and 20 minutes from now, you'll be like, what does this have to do with my life? I'll tell you. Just turn to your neighbor and say, just hold on. All right. To help you picture, imagine a rectangle 83 feet wide. And the two shorter sides, and then 164 feet wide on the two longer sides. And by the way, that took me a while to figure that out because of a cubit. It's different. And I'm a musician. I am not good at math. But scholars debate that a cubit is between 17 and 20 inches. So for the sake of simplicity, we're going to go with 18 inches is a cubit. Right? So the courtyard is this big rectangle. Picture this. There's a lot of sound. There's a lot of... There, there's animals, there's goats, there's sheep. There's weeping and repentance. It's messy because sacrifice is taking place. We talked about the messiness of revival uh, about four weeks ago. Was, was anybody here for that sermon? We talked about revival's messy, right? Exodus 23, verse 15, and Deuteronomy 16, 16 tell us that we should never come into God's house empty-handed, but that we should come in with a sacrifice of praise. And just like they entered 
the courtyard with their sacrifice. We come to church to give God something. And you have to be very careful. If you're new to Rock of Grace, you might look up, and, I, and again, I'm just, this part isn't in my sermon, but I just want you to hear me because different denominations can accidentally, you know, they can judge each other and not, not think through what they're really saying. And you can come in and you can see a band and you can see screens and think, wow, I'm, I'm here for a show. Like, this is a good band. In fact, sometimes they'll, people will say, oh, yeah, I like the band. Yeah, I'll be back, I'll be back for the band. You know, and it's really funny when you hear these things. But you have to understand, when you come to church, yes, God's going to give you something. Yes, God wants to bless you. Don't misunderstand me. But when we come to church, when we experience how good God is, now we say, I'm coming to church to give God something. I'm not coming to be entertained. I'm not coming for someone to serve me. I'm coming to serve the living God. And whenever you get that backwards... You're going to be striving. You're going to be struggling. You're going to be comparing. Well, they don't have what I, they don't have what I, my need didn't get met today. And, and if it's been a few years of following Christ, you should be coming to a place where you say, I'm here to give God something. Because I'm letting Jesus and his life be birthed in me. And Jesus is giving. So then you have the gate. So you walk in the courtyard and you have the gate, the gate into the holy place. Psalm 100 verse 4 talks about it. That we enter into God's presence with gratitude, with thanksgiving. This is why often we will start with a big fast song because we're saying thank you God for what you've done for me. Thank you Jesus. We enter with praise. Now you have to understand John 10 verse 9 says Jesus is the gate. Jesus says I am the gate. And he used the same exact term that the Hebrew people would have known is the gate. It's the door to the tabernacle. So if you had Hebrew roots and you heard Jesus saying, I am the gate, or you've heard it this way, I am the door, I'm the way. That, that word was talking about the way into the presence of God. And I want to tell you, maybe you're new today. Maybe, you just, maybe you've been here a long time. You need to remember, you need to hear, Jesus is the only way. There is no other way. And there'll be certain podcasts, there'll be certain uh, celebrities, there'll be people who are famous and, hey, they have 10,000 followers or they have 100,000 followers. They must be right. Right? And they say there's all kinds of ways to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. Everybody say the name Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way. How many are thankful for that? You want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Amen? Let me say it like this. Religious services not centered around the name and person of Jesus will only leave people confused and hopeless. And if you're listening online, religious services that don't center around the name and person of Jesus leaves people confused and hopeless and ultimately trusting in their own strengths. Ultimately, when you take the gate, when you take Jesus out of it, you will end up with a message that says, well, you really, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You, you, you look within. But how many realize that you found Jesus and you don't look within because within you're a hot mess? 
I've said it like this before. How many of you raise your hand nice and high on this one? Without Jesus, you are a dumpster fire. Come on. Thank you for all those hands, by the way, because that would have felt terrible if you were like, not me, just you, Pastor. The promised land, then, that they're in between, right? So let me, let's zoom out there. You've got the people of Israel delivered from Egypt miraculously. Just explained the Passover to my daughters the other day where they put the lamb on the, on the doorpost, okay? And by God's instruction, the angel of death passed over them, passed over. So Passover, they escape into the wilderness. Now they're in the wilderness, and God says to Moses, set up a tabernacle, a place dedicated where I can see and the world can see that you are dedicated to me. And I wish I had time. I don't have time to even go into the fire above it, the cloud. Can you guys imagine that? What if that was true today? Now, by the way, because of the book of Acts, I think there's even more power and more mystery and more amazingness. Is that a word? It is now. In what's going on now than in the Old, Old Testament. But just imagine, just, just bear with me. Imagine your, your offering sacrifice and there's this bonfire just above you. How many of you guys would be like, that's pretty impressive. And it's not like Moses could just go flick the switch and turn it off. Like it's just there. And God was saying, you are my people. Let that sink in this morning. God's saying, you are my people. As you come to tabernacle, you are my people. I don't know who this is for. I feel led to camp here for a minute. Some of you feel like you don't belong. You feel like, where do I belong in life? You belong in the family of God. You're God's child. And when you remember that and when you hear this this morning and you believe in your heart, life starts to make sense. So Jesus says to them, by the way, when I am lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. Now he talks about this in connection to being the gate because how is it the gate? How is he the gate? How is he the one that allows people to come into a holy presence? Well, he describes that he is lifted up and he uses the same phrase in Hebrew that, that they were used to hearing when talking about the bronze serpent. When talking about the bronze serpent in the Old Testament. I shared this story about four months ago, but I'll just give you the quick aerial view of it. They were bitten by snakes. Has anybody ever been bitten by a snake? I have not. Just raise your hand if you have. Because that'd be Carrie? Dude, you just walked away too. You just shook it off, didn't you? And you survived? I'm kidding. I'm just talking to you. Garden snake? You shouldn't have raised your hand for that. Dude, make that story better. You should have been like, it was a viper. <laughs> Got a hold of my neck. A garden snake? Dude, my respect for you just plummeted. It's okay, Gary. Once I stub my toe, I feel we, we too have been through war. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. What was I saying? Oh, all right. So they're bit by the snakes, and all of a sudden they're dying. Everybody's dying. Everybody says that's a bad day. All right, this, this is like, this is really bad. Everybody's dying. God tells Moses, create a snake and put it on a pole, a cross. And when you raise it up, everybody who looks upon it, the curse, this is the gospel, guys, the curse of their problem 
will go on the snake. Are you guys starting to see what Jesus did for you? Jesus said, if I be lifted up, if you will let your, your the, the punishment, this is the gospel, the punishment that you deserved for your sins went upon Jesus. And when you say, Jesus, I receive you as the one who suffered in my place. I look upon you and now my infirmities and my sin is healed in Jesus' name. And all I have to do is look upon Jesus. All I have to do is believe. Amen? That's the good news. That's why it's called the good news. Because you didn't, Moses didn't say, here's what you got to do, everybody. You got to memorize a hundred rituals. Right? Now the rituals that we're talking about, they're important. They give us a picture of Jesus. But listen, it's not what you have done or what they could have done. It's what Jesus already did. The rituals could not make man right with God. No matter how hard they tried, what it did in the law, what it did is it created a picture for us to realize the gravity of sin. Because without that, we don't realize the gravity of sin. Without that, we think sin is just an option. And we don't even, let's just not even call it sin. Look, I just, you do you, let me do me. And I, you know, your values are different than mine. That's fine. Everybody has their own truth. You don't have to say what's right and what's wrong. No, I'm not saying what's right and wrong. I'm telling you what God says is right and wrong. So that you can have peace. So that you cannot live in pain or confusion. So let's go to the next thing, the high priest. This is my favorite part. The high priest would go into the holy of holies, past the brazen altar. Okay? So we walk through the courtyard. You had the, the, um, the laver there where they could see their reflection. That represents the word of God. Every day you open the word of God, you get a reflection of yourself and where you stand with God. The sacrifice was made, and now they walk into the most holy place. But listen, only the high priest walked in there. Only the high priest. He only did this once a year, and it was to atone for, to worship, to make propitiation on behalf of everybody's sin, known or unknown. N known or unknown. And by the Bible says Jesus, turn to Hebrews Turn to Hebrews, and then while you're turning there, everybody say Jesus. Come on, one more time, say Jesus. This is why our vision statement is this. Our mission is we are leading people to follow Jesus together. If you take Jesus out, if you take Jesus out, you will be sorely confused. Jesus is the way. Look at Hebrews chapter 10. His death made a way. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by what the blood of Jesus, the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is his flesh. The veil was torn, his flesh was torn. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart full of assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience, our bodies washed with pure water. Now we have to understand as they would sprinkle blood on the altar, now you say, what does that have to do with Jesus? Jesus is both the lamb and the high priest. He is the sacrifice. Somebody's getting a revelation over here. I love it. He is the, the sacrifice and he's the high priest. Jesus offered himself so you could be made right with God. Are you so thankful? Jesus said, I'm going to go into the holy of holies and I'm going to make reconciliation for people. 
That's why Hebrews also calls him the older brother, the one who goes before us. Let us hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering. This is where I really felt during worship and even right before the this, this service started today as we were praying. In fact, Noelle texted me, and she's one of our prayer team leaders. And this goes so well because she was, I feel like as she was praying for the service, she's praying for you. And she said, I feel like many people have been like lost in fear this week and thinking through things Satan wants them to think about. Past mistakes, past hurts. Let me, I really need you to hear this this morning. Let us hold fast. Can you just hold up your fist like this? Just hold up your fist like this. Come on, that's, imagine your faith is right there in your fist. Hold, hold that fist together while, we're, while I read this. Hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For man is faithful. For you are faithful. No. He who promised is faithful. Say that with me. Say he's faithful. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Guys, when we gather together when we worship, when you gather in a life group and you open the Bible together, when you come in on a Sunday, something happens that I don't even know that you can describe or fully define. I don't know about you, but it reminds me that I am in something special, this thing called the family of God, the people of God. Does anybody else get that way? Is it just, is it just me or does anybody else, you walk in sometimes and you're like, thank you, Lord, that I'm in this this thing you have made called the church. Is anybody else grateful? Look at Psalm 78. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. We're going to receive communion in just a moment because we're going to live out. We're going we're to have an example of what Jesus did. Psalm 78. I will tell the things we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children. We will not hide them from our children, but tell the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and the wonders he has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach their children so that the next generation might know them and put their hope in God. Parents, can I talk to you for a minute? This is not a sermon about parenting, but it is just for a moment. I'm going to talk to all my parents out there. If you are a parent or a grandparent, raise your hand for a minute. You can't leave it to the pastor to disciple your children. You can't. Let me say it again. Make sure you're locking eyes with me. You can't leave it to the pastor and to Christine. And Well, Christine will take care of it. She's got a devotion. You guys have heard the old metaphor. I'm sure you've heard it. It's a cliche because it's true. It's a good one. If you only ate once a week, would you survive? Maybe not. You definitely wouldn't be thriving. I want to encourage you to open the Bible with your kids, even if it's just 10 minutes in the morning. That's how we do it. We do it over a bowl of Cheerios. Come on, somebody. 
and we just read a verse together. We read a couple verses together and we talk about it. It's so important that you do that with your kids. Everybody say amen. That you say, I am going to teach my children so that, like the scripture says, they put their hope in God. Can I, before we take communion, I want to ask you this. I want to tell you this. If you don't have a real sense of peace and rest in your life, then I have to ask you, how confident are you, according to Scripture, how confident are you in the finished work of Jesus? Because the higher your confidence in the finished work of Jesus, the greater your peace. Come on, let me say that again. The higher your confidence in the finished work of Jesus, the greater your peace. Page I didn't get to, but I feel like I should. I want to ask the I'm going to ask the ushers to go ahead and pass out the uh, the bread. When I was studying this, Aaron, the high priest, listen what he would do. If two people were fighting, let's pretend Jimmy and Trevor, right? Let's pretend they have an argument, they have this skiff, and they're like, I'm not talking to him anymore. You know, he's a punk, and they're mad at each other. Aaron. This is, this is so neat. Aaron, the high priest, would go behind the back and say, hey, Jimmy, you know, Trevor, he really wants to reconcile with you, and he really, he really values your relationship. He wants to make things right with you. Then he would go to Trevor and say to Trevor, you know, Jimmy's a really good guy, and I think if you guys would just talk, you could work it out, and you could be friends again. Aaron would do that secretly. How many can picture it? Can you picture it? That's what Jesus does. He comes to you and he says, you know, you should probably go apologize because your relationship is worth more than you think it is. Let me summarize it like this. If you're not willing to forgive another Christian's offense, you're not living in the peace Jesus paid for. Let me say it one more time. Before you take communion, take this seriously. If you're unwilling to forgive brother or sister, a Christian, and you're ruminating on it and you're telling everybody about it. Jesus died. He suffered so you could be reconciled to God and to one another. If you're not living in that peace, you're not yet living in the peace Jesus died for. Jesus died so you could be at peace. Now, does, does it mean you're going to get along with everybody and everybody's going to have the same political views as you and views on this or that as you? No. Not saying that. It turns out there will be people who have different political views than you. Everybody just raise your eyebrows. It doesn't mean you have to write them off. It might mean you need to deepen your conversations in the word together. Amen? It might mean you have to go to the Lord and say, Lord, how, how do you love them? How do you want me to love them? And what's sad is so many Christians instead just say, no, I, I'm going to remain mad at them. Don't do that. Don't do that. Jesus died as the high priest making you right with God, making you right with one another. He, he died 
for this right here. So, so that 18 years later, I can, I can come to, to Dave and Shane and, and ask for wisdom. How many years, Donna, have you been here? 12? So that 10, 10 12 times, 12, or 10 or 12 years, we can grow together. I can learn, I, I can learn from Donna, Don can learn, learn. The togetherness, the reconciliation, it's a big part of what Jesus died for. I want you to grab that bread. I want you to realize, and we're going to play a song in a moment, the one we did earlier, that God wants to give you peace, but it only comes through the blood of Jesus. It comes through repentance. And this bread represents, represents the body of Christ. Now, before you take it, there's one, one more revelation that hit me this week. Well, this last week as I was writing this. And I'm telling you, I've never seen this before until this previous week. And a friend came up and was talking to me about it. And it just blew my mind. How many of you imagine that you're there and you're one of Jesus' disciples and he tells you, this is my body. And we're going to celebrate this Passover meal together. You already would feel honored that you're sitting with Jesus. How many already would be, you already would be honored. But listen to this. He tells them, do this in remembrance of me. He tells them to facilitate communion. You know the only peace people who could facilitate communion were priests. He was making them priests. Think about that. Not only was he including them in the body, in the family, but he was saying, I am deputy. Whoa, that's a step. Watch out. Sorry, I get excited. I'm getting too, too close. He was saying, I'm deputizing you as a high priest. Now, that scripture in 2 Corinthians and that scripture in Revelation starts to make sense that we are a royal priesthood. That you can offer reconciliation to someone who is far from God. Someone who's hurting at work. Someone who is so mad at their parents and it's ruminating in their mind every day. And you can say, hey, can I tell you about Jesus? And in that, you are offering communion to them. You're acting like a priest. Isn't that amazing? Now think about that. Take that bread and say, thank you, Jesus. Go ahead, just say, thank you, Jesus, for including me, forgiving me. Dying in my place and then making me a priest. Once you've thanked him, go ahead and partake. I wanted to talk about the altar a bit more during communion. As the juice is passed out representing the blood of Jesus, I want to talk about the blood that was shed on the altar. Did you know that on the altar it was acacia wood? 
but it would be covered, covered in bronze. Why is that? Bronze is a symbol of judgment. And Deuteronomy 28 talks about this. Numbers 21 talks about this. The judgment, the penalty for sin that Jesus was taking on our behalf. Jesus was shedding his blood, Hebrew says, once and for all. This is why I always remind people, when you give your heart to Jesus, you don't have to give your heart to Jesus per se again in terms of getting saved again. You're, you're a child of God. If you struggled that week, absolutely, repent. But you don't have to get saved over and over. Do you know why? Hebrews says he did this once and for all. And, and, if, and if you don't believe that, if you don't let that truth settle in, you will miss out on the peace Jesus died for. Jesus died so you could be made right with God. And when he sees you, he sees Jesus. How many were here at the conference when I had, had the, the young man stand in front of me that was like three times my body mass index, right? When God sees you, when you confess Jesus as Lord, and the devil says, yeah, but what did, the thing is, you, you, you did something wrong last month. And you say, I, I, I repent, forgive me of that, Lord. In that moment, you're forgiven. You're washed clean. And you have right standing with God. That's because Jesus spilled his blood for you. Nicole, Jesus spilled his blood for you. Paula, Jesus spilled his blood for you. He was carrying that heavy cross and he went up the hill of Golgotha thinking about you. Hebrews says, for the joy that was set before him. What is that joy? That you would be connected and reconciled to God. Elijah, that you would have a relationship with God. Jesus was thinking about you when he carried the cross. Are you so thankful for that blood? Go ahead and raise up that juice and say, thank you for the blood. Thank you for shedding your blood in my place. Thank you for taking the punishment that I deserved Dying the death of a criminal that I deserved. Once you've thanked him, go ahead and partake. Now here's what's unbelievable. I want you to stand up to your feet as I share this last part. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. It's two things. It's not just, hear me, it's not just that your sin and the curse, the punishment, goes on Jesus, but it's that Jesus' righteousness goes on you. Let me say that again. The gospel is two things. It's not just that when you believe in Jesus, the curse and the punishment of your failures and your mistakes and the, all that, that goes on Jesus. But listen to this. This is the best part, guys. Jesus' righteousness gets imputed to you, given to you. That's why I love this line right there. Your ro it becomes a robe of righteousness. 
Can I use you as an example real quick? Can you, can you run, come on up here for a minute? Come on up here, up the steps. This is just an impromptu thing. I like the, these have come in handy. I feel like a couple times a year we use these. Let me just ask, are there times, thanks for being my volunteer, my voluntold. Are there times when you feel like, oh, I've blown it. Don't describe it, just that I was like you've blown it. Like, oh, oh. absolutely. Right. Yes. Yeah. All right. So here's, and we all, how many have ever felt that? When you look upon Jesus. He covers you in a robe of righteousness. And he says, son, you're already forgiven. You're already forgiven. Amen. Thank you. You can just wear it. Just wear it. Oh, man. Come on. We're going we're gonna to lift this voice, lift up our voices as we lift this song up. And we're just going to take some time to worship. All right? Let's even put the words up, too, if you don't mind. Uh, audiovisual team. Lift up your hands to Jesus and just start praising him. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your blood. Come on, just worship him right now. This is a house of worship and prayer. Thank him. Jesus, you reunited me with the Father. You are my sacrifice, my high priest, and I thank you. Let's worship him. We worship you, Lord. Jesus, we love you, Lord. There's no one like you, Lord. Jesus, you change my past. You erase every sin, every mistake. You call me into my future. Let's raise up this music and sing this. It's rewriting my history. It covers me with destiny. Yes, it does. It's making all things right, the precious blood of Christ. It's rewriting my history. Yeah, yeah. Now think about that, church. It covers me with destiny. Oh, it's making all things right. It's making all things right. The precious blood of Christ is rewriting my history. No, he knows you by name. Praise him for it.
Jesus. Come on, just praise him right now. Thank you, Lord. Lift up your voices to him. Jesus, there's no one like you, Lord. We thank you for your blood, Jesus. Thank you, God, for bringing us back to the Father. Are you so thankful for the blood? Jesus, again, we just want to tell you we love you. Thank you for reminding us this morning about the blood that you shed. For making us the people of God. Completely purified. Completely free from every lie of shame. And everyone that would agree with that said a big amen. 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 Thanks for worshiping with us today. We love you. Pray you have a great rest of your week.